Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you're here, you're present, you're speaking to us. I pray that you would, uh, by your power, uh, knock down the walls uh, in our heart that uh, uh, limit us from hearing what you have to say. Thank you that you are Lord, you reign supreme. So that means all of our problems, all of our trials, uh, all of the needs that we have, you're over them. I pray we believe that. I pray we'd see it in your church, by your spirit, in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you would, turn to Psalm uh, 22. Psalm 22 is what we're looking at. And, you know, a lot of us, us, me too, uh, we come in here... Um, you know, and, and I'm going to ask you today, we're going to do something a little different. Please, uh, please listen to me. Uh, not that you wouldn't any day, but listen to me. You know, there are a lot of distractions uh, in our lives. A lot of distractions here. Lighting, sound, uh, people coming in and out. That's okay. It's okay. We're a church. We're family. But we can easily get distracted. A lot of things going on in our minds. Uh, what are we going to eat? I like to eat. I'm thinking about lunch right now. Uh, honestly, I am. Uh, what we're going to do the rest of the day, football games, sports, look, love sports, so guilty as charged. Uh, a lot of distractions are in our, our lives and our minds. Uh, the other thing is there are a lot of needs that are going on. I could walk down uh, this aisle and, and look at every person, and many of y'all, I know, I mean the needs in your heart. When I say needs, I mean like needs of uh, relationship because of loneliness, a need of health, maybe in sickness or illness, uh, some emotional well-being. Uh, I can look at some folks and say uh, needing of purpose, uh, direction, just feeling lost, uh, needing to make sense of what we call the gospel or Christianity. A child who may have gone astray. I mean, needs of just you know, the explicit sins that may immediately come to our mind. They immediately come to my mind. Uh, drunkenness, lust, porn. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of needs. Marriages that you know, I mean, may not survive. You know, in in this house, in this building. Um, physical sickness. Drama, a lot of stuff. And so you come in here and, and we battle distractions and we feel uh, these needs and it's, um, it's tough to make sense of things. And so we as a church, uh, me, uh, worship, uh, people, leaders, we, we proclaim Jesus. We say you have needs uh, physically, emotionally, financially, in your marriage. We say, Jesus saves. Amen? We say that. And saves is such a, it's kind of become a rote word in that, like all of us know that. I want to try to use another word today. Jesus changes. Like Jesus changes your life. And we talk about life change, but I want to replace saved because so often we're like, you know, that, that's the Bible belt or that's the, the biblical phrase. But Jesus changes your life. That you think and see differently. And I have seen people who change and they do, they see differently. So many needs. 
And one of the biggest needs is just the need to be liked. Our, our youth battle this. I battle this. And man, if, if we live, get an amen on this. If, if we live in, in this society, the way this place rolls, I mean, so much is on like, who's in the know? Who do you know? You know, who's, who your friends are, who your supper club is. I mean, amen, is that, am I off there? No? Okay. Am I off? No. It's just being liked. And we say, Jesus changes. So we say that. But we can't make it like penetrate into the heart of a young person, a youth, or um, you know, a mom who is just running ragged uh, to keep up with the Joneses and make sure the kids are at every athletic event so they won't miss out. Because, you know, I mean, FOMO is the big deal. FOMO, fear of missing out. Okay? And we say... Jesus changes. And here's the deal, too, for us, okay? Like for us who, I mean, guilty as charged here, raised Mississippi in the South, we'll say like amen. We'll say yes, we know. We'll say yes, Jesus changed. We'll we'll nod our head. We'll say yes. And, And we don't know because there's not a lot of change. And, I mean, for years, that's how I rolled. We say, we know. Amen. I got it. I got it. I didn't. I mean, Jesus had not changed my life. So often we find ourselves, where we live today, I mean, the cart is always before the horse. What I mean is, we know the Sunday school stories. We know the lessons. Many of us have been taught we, we know cross story, empty graves. We know manger. Uh, we know, yeah, Jesus walked on water. Uh, we know, but we don't know. We don't know biblically. You know, biblically the word know is to be intimate, to know in the heart. And man, for so many, the penny has not dropped because there's no change. And so we say Jesus changes. And I'm here to tell you, I mean, in the midst of the race to fight against FOMO, the prayers for physical health, uh, the prayers that a marriage would um, not break up, the, the prayers for, Lord, can you get me out of the financial gutter, the prayers for, Lord, can I be liked, the prayers for, Lord, can I find the right college, the prayers for, uh, Lord, can you just uh, give me a sense of peace, the prayers for, can you help me kick this addiction, The prayers for, Lord, can I stop going on this website? Jesus changes. Jesus changes. And so we believe this, that that's what it says, and we preach it. And we pray for one another. And I I mean, I know he changes because I didn't always believe that. I didn't always believe it, but I'm basing my life on it. And I'm praying every day, God, continue to change my heart, change my heart so that I see anew. And I trust that you're at work in people's lives and families in spite of me. And I trust that he is. But it's Jesus who changes. So you're like, why did did you say all that? Well, we need to hear that. We need to hear that. But we're doing this series. It's called Worship and Wisdom. 
And we're looking at worship. You know, often we think of worship as, you know, the songs that just happen. Worship is a life. Because see, when you see and know Jesus changes, you begin worshiping him with, with your life, your entire life, your time, your gifting. And God's gifted every one of you. Uh, your resources, your relationships, you worship. You worship. Psalm 22, another reason I said this about how Jesus changes. Psalm 22 is all about Jesus on the cross and Jesus rising from the grave. Right, well, didn't that, I thought that Sunday school story was like New Testament. Yes. It's also in Psalm 22. This is Jesus on the cross. This is what Jesus has done uh, for us. And often, here's the, the last trap we can fall into, the place we are, and again, guilty as charged. All of us want to be entertained. I love being entertained. I mean, I love a good story, whether it is in song. Great stories are in song, right, Chris? Amen. Or in a book or in movies. I'm fired up about, where's Pierce? Is Pierce here? Did he take off? <laughs> oh, he's, te- he's teaching. All right. I, just, I was calling out Pierce. Anyway. He and I are looking forward to the new Bond movie. You know, hear that in the sermon. I know probably shouldn't. And the new Star Wars. I mean, I love being entertained. And so do we. And, you know, that's the last thing. Is that sometimes we just, we come in and I've got these needs that I need help with. And it's just like, man, just, just help me out a little bit, you know. Just pick me up a little bit. Give me a little shot, you know. Just give me something to... You know, it'll last for maybe 30 minutes, an hour afterwards a little bit. Jesus changes. And that's the word. And when the penny drops, when that penny drops, you're changed and you start seeing different. So let's see Jesus in Psalm 22. And we also see one another. We see, I see myself, I see you, I see us. In this psalm. Psalm 22. Some familiar words from the cross. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Anybody ever felt like that? I find no rest. Anybody have problems sleeping some nights? Some nights? You know, if you want to, you can hold up a hand. We're pretty loosey-goosey here. Um, I cry by day, but you're not answering. Anybody ever felt, God, you're not answering me? Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever felt, God, you have forsaken me? Anybody recognize those words? Where were those words spoken? Where were those words? Somebody say it. On the cross. So Jesus himself felt forsaken. Verse 3, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praise of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Let me tell you all something else. We do have this book, but we also have examples probably in all of our lives of men and women who trusted in the Lord and the Lord did answer. And we can see that, but if you feel like, hey, I can't see it in my life, we believe and we proclaim that this Bible is truth, that these were real historical events. 
And so all the way from Abraham to Moses to David who wrote this psalm, moving forward to the Elijahs, to the disciples who first served and followed and then gave their lives, the Johns, the Peters, then the Pauls, they still trusted. They were not put to shame. But he goes on, he says, I am a worm and not a man, verse 6, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. Anybody ever been mocked? Young guys? Young girls? Ever been mocked? Anybody here mocked somebody? I was reading a commentary a few weeks back, and I said this in the sermon then. Mockers are missionaries of wickedness. That really convicted me. I have mocked people before. I repent of it. Ashamed of it. David here is being mocked. He says, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Here's also the deal. We, uh, we all want to be inspired. We all want to be entertained. Uh, life is very, very much better with Jesus, yet there will be people who mock us. Uh, we will be persecuted. And yet we can still trust in the Lord and still we can sing and we can worship and say, Jesus, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. But there will be mockers. There will be mockers. Verse 9, yet, David here always says yet, all of this, yet, 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 yet you, God, are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from birth and from my mother's womb You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Still saying, in all this persecution, in the trial, as he's suffering, and remember, David suffered big time. He lost children. One of his children tried to kill him. Nice life there. Uh, He had a severe, I mean, you know, severe lust problem. And that caused him a lot of grief. And he says, but you are God. You made me. You took me. Verse 12, many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouth at me like a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. This is David, this is also Jesus. Who had the spear stabbed and water poured out? Jesus. Whose bones were not broken, but the cross probably pulled all of them out of joint, literally. Who was thirsty? The tongue sticks to my mouth. Jesus. Suffered for you, for me, for us. Dogs encompass me, verse 16. A company of evildoers encircle me. Who circled Jesus around the cross? Those who mocked him. Those who wanted him to die. They have pierced my hands and feet. Sound familiar? I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. Sound familiar? Anybody ever read The Robe? Great book, by the way. Fiction, but great. And for my clothing they cast lots. But, 
But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Some of you are wondering, is he going to go through the whole psalm? Yes, that is going to happen. Verse, because it's important. This is Jesus on the cross. And so let's um, eschew, to use a big word, like just a few stories or, or just to kind of inspire and entertain. This is life. This is Jesus dying for you. This is what I believe. Is it radical and crazy? Yes. Did I ever think I would even do this? Pre- no. And yet Jesus changed my life. So I base my life on this. Because this is about the cross. Now it's about to turn to the resurrection. This whole psalm. We always think of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is after Psalm 22. What Jesus has done for us. So then verse 22. There's a change in tone. David says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Let me, let me say this to y'all. Some of y'all need to tell some others about Jesus. I mean, I love this. I will tell your name to my brothers. In the middle of the church, I will praise you. Please, I'll beg you on this day. Tell one another about Jesus. If God's working in your, in your life in the midst of trial or trap, tell one another about Jesus. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. And stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel. Here he's saying all those that God initially worked through, the Jews, God's people. But then he expands it. He says, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the affliction afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. When I hear vows, I think of marriage. I think of love. I think of true love. I think of wonderful love. Do we give our lives, our vows to Jesus Christ? David here is saying he does. He says, my vows I will perform for you. God, I will love you like no other. And that love will penetrate every other love that is good in marriage and in family and in relationships. But it starts with a love for God. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. And then look at this starting in verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall worship before you. Kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Amen. Because this psalm starts at the cross and being brutalized and beaten And forsaken, and it ends with all nations, all peoples, those unborn, bowing at Jesus. You know, where does that happen? Philippians 2, Revelations, every knee will bow. King of kings, Lord of lords. It's a beautiful psalm, it's a powerful psalm. This psalm is the gospel, it's the good news. She's like, that's great. I'm glad we went through Psalm 22, but like, 
what about for my life? Like, you know, there's still lunch to be had and football game may be watched and, you know, still might get a divorce and still in financial trouble and uh, still battling some depression and, yep, son, daughter, pretty wayward and still kind of feel lost, job I don't really like. What about my felt needs? Brother, pastor, preacher? Here's what Psalm 22 means. Jesus changes... Jesus changes you where you don't, you no longer have past guilt. Let me say that because some of y'all need to hear that. Jesus changes your life so you no longer have past guilt. You know, like weight, burden of past guilt, that's gone. Jesus changes you so you never, again, it's possible the devil will attack you, have present doubt. Because a lot of you are doubting right now. Well, is God really in this? Is God really kind of in this? Is God in this sermon? Is God in this church? Is God in my life? Is God in my problem? Jesus changes where you don't have present doubt. You're like, God's in this. God's in this. And Jesus changes us where we no longer have future worry. Because all of our worries are about the future. What might go down today? What might go down tomorrow? Jesus changes. It just changes. Past guilt, present doubt, future worry. It can be gone. It w- you'll be attacked. But the word of the Lord says, even amidst trial and tragedy and like not knowing where I'm going in life, you do not have to carry past guilt. You do not have to have present doubt. You do not need to have future worry. And I want people changed by this message. I want to be changed by it. The last thing I'll say, preach, proclaim, is it's a different way of seeing the world. It's like, you know, I think people with, that wear glasses, knock on wood, look cool. I mean, I think, I've told Chris looks cool. Tracy, you look cool with some other glass. I mean, it'll just look, you look cool, you know, it's cool. But it's like putting on a new set of glasses, a new set of shades. What's the world view? It's this. You're created in God's image. Genesis 1.27. He created you in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. You're created in the image of God, which is good. Yet we're fallen. Romans 7, 15, 17. Paul says, what I don't want to do, I do. So it can't be me, it must be the sin in me. That's paraphrase. Romans 7. So we're created in God's image, but there's something in us that makes us do what we don't want to do. And then we're saved or changed or redeemed. 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Again, different worldview. Creating God's image, you're gifted, but you're fallen. And then Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. That we would be right for God. And then we're restored. I love that word, restoration. One of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So that trial, that tragedy, uh, that doubt even, those questions, that struggle, that joy, that worship, in being restored, God's working it all out. 
for his plan and his glory. That's a, a biblical worldview or a Christian worldview. That's how we see when Jesus changes our lives. That's what I want and desire and beg and pray for us to have as a church. And when that happens, there are two changes. One, there's a personal change. Last two things I'll say, promise. Trying to keep it within an hour, okay? Last two things. There is, I call it serene confidence. I love that phrase. I don't know who said it. I picked up on it. It's almost like in Jesus, I believe, you can, you can literally, you can kind of just float through life. That's not meaning like, you know, I don't know, snowboard through life. Although that would be fun. But it's kind of just float serene confidence. You got a peace. You're confident God's working. You're freed from past guilt. You, there's no question he's, is he working in your life? You're serene, but you're confident. You can walk into any situation, any supper club or party, or you can just walk in. You're good. You're good. And you are good in Jesus. And there's a change. And then you want to go. Like, you want to go out. I mean, you're like, I'm called. I'm, you want to go. And it changes the church, too. It changes the church, too. Now, churches always struggle because you got a lot of folks who aren't changed, and we got to shepherd one another along. But when you got a lot of folks walking with serene confidence, and it changes, like, we're not complacent. Like, we love Jesus more than anything else. We love Jesus more than bellwether. We love Jesus more than our networks or our net worth or what we're doing on Sunday or what we're doing. I love Jesus. It changes a church. So what I want, what I desire, what I beg the Lord for is like a lot of folks that I can walk with, whether in bellwether or not, who have that serene confidence. Because those are the folks I want to be around with because they inspire me to preach it and proclaim it in one-on-one conversations in a small group, in a worship service, that, man, Jesus, Jesus is it. Psalm 22 is it. And he changes lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus' life change, I pray, I pray people would know it. I, I, I can't do it. I, I'm broken. I'm humble. But you can And there is so much that is battling against our minds and our families and our relationships for to be liked, to be accepted, to put ourselves on the throne rather than you. God, may we just humble ourselves, repent before you and know that the change that we desire, because we all want purpose, we all want the freedom, we all want... The love, it's, it only happens in you. And you've done it on the cross. I, I pray we know it. I pray you change my life again and again. I pray you change these lives. I pray you change the life of our church. That we would walk together and shepherd those who don't have that change and have faith that you're doing the work. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.